Your industry is undergoing a radical transformation. Market valuations are in flux and your company is even teetering. So as CEO, it's important that you exude optimism no matter what, right? Not according to Justin Menkes. You do that as a leader, that is the fastest way to lose your credibility and you will not get it back. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. Justin Menkes is an executive consultant and author of several best-selling books about leadership, including Better Under Pressure. CEOs have always faced pressure, but Menkes says that today, the number of challenges a typical CEO faces has increased exponentially. But Menkes says there are three principles C-suite leaders need to always keep in mind. He shared them at a Vanguard forum for life sciences and healthcare leaders. There are three ways in which organizations are able to thrive in situations of intense pressure. You have to have realistic optimism as a leader and teaching your people. The first is realistic optimism. The second is subservience to purpose. And the third is finding order in chaos. If you're able to do those three things, well, you will thrive in this environment. Let's start with realistic optimism. What, what does that mean? What, what, is, what is realistic optimism? Let's uh, start with an anecdote. There's a, a gentleman named Chris Van Gorder. You'll never heard of him. Chris Van Gorder. He always wanted to be a cop. He always wanted to be a policeman. And that was his lifelong dream. And he's finally a policeman at age 20. He's got his badge and he's got his car. And he hears a domestic abuse call. So Chris turns on his sirens, and he guns the engine, and he's going to save this poor woman who's being beaten, right? And he gets to this site, and sure enough, as soon as he pulls in, the husband had gotten in his car and was waiting for the cop to arrive. And as soon as Chris's car pulled around the corner to the house, he gunned, the husband gunned his truck and slammed directly into the driver's side of Chris's police car. It took Chris just under four years to learn how to walk again. Um, and at the end of that, he was given a pension. Uh, the police force said, you know, I, I mean, we're sorry, but we obviously you're not physically able to do the job. And so then Chris was looking around like, what am I going to do? I mean, this is what, all I've ever wanted in my life. And he was sitting in front of his his internist, and his internist looks at him and says, Chris, you're, you're not well. You look depressed. And Chris went out of that appointment, and he said, God darn it. This is on me. I'm letting myself go down a hole. And I'm not going to, enough self-pity, okay? The world happens. Stuff happens. Got to deal with it. Well, what, do I, what can I do? I can't be a police officer anymore. What do I do? Well, I know hospitals, right? I spent the last four years basically in them. So he started calling hospitals. Uh, what could he do? What was he qualified to do? 
a security guard. I was a police officer. Maybe they'll hire me as a security guard. Gets hired at a, at a local hospital to be, be a security guard. He walks that whole hospital constantly. He's taking hospital administration courses at night. 20 years later, Chris Van Gorder, and still to this day, is one of the most admired CEOs in the hospital systems today. He turned around Scripps Hospital System from being one of the worst performing in terms of mortality, in terms of budgets, overruns, absolutely on the verge of bankruptcy, probably would have been declared bankrupt if others had been there. Chris turned that thing around and is now one of the most admired hospital systems in the country. But he did it not because something bad happened to him that threw him off his path. He did it because something bad happened to him and he said, okay, but this isn't going to define me. I'm going to see what my options are within this new option set. What's realistic, right? What can I do? What are the wrinkles? What are the options? Find my way, right? Realistic uh, optimism. Not blind optimism. Blind optimism is generally best for salespeople. Uh, it's always sunny out there, super duper, right? Fantastic. We can conquer the world. By the way, if you, as long as you buy, hire me or buy my product, that's the answer. And they're contagious. You can feel it, right? You have the solution, the, the energy, right? You do that as a leader. That is the fastest way to lose your credibility, and you will not get it back. If you walk around Pollyannish, whitewashing what the challenges are to your company, that's called blind optimism. Blind optimism does you no good. Realistic optimism. What are our constraints? And then what are our opportunities within it? Don't get so afraid, because there are always options, even to a man that has been rendered paralyzed. The second, subservience to purpose. What the heck would that mean, right? And why would it matter? This is crucial. This is absolutely crucial. Herb Kelleher is a guy you all know. Southwest Airlines should never have existed. I was talking to Herb, spent a lot of time with Herb and, uh, in his office in Dallas. He smokes two packs a day, so he's a chain smoker, right? And he drinks so in his office. And it's an old wood-paneled office, no windows. I'm not used to being in that much smoke and also you know, having scotch given to me uh, during the day. But I did the best I could. But what did we learn from Herb? Herb was a lawyer. He was a terrific lawyer. Won all his cases. He was 11 and 0. He got fired from his law firm. Fired. I said, that, 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 the math doesn't add up. So what do you mean? He said, well, they fired me because I wouldn't bill my clients. Uh, we, why, wouldn't, why didn't you bill your clients? And he said, well, because they shouldn't have had to go to court in the first place. It wasn't fair. This, he, had, he integrated, internalized the view, the mission of his own clients. He put himself so in their shoes that he didn't even send out invoices because he thought it was unjust. Bye-bye, Herb. <laughs> so then here's Herb, and he thinks, you know what? I want to start an airline. 
Only the rich are allowed to, are able to fly today. It's regulated. Every ticket costs a fortune. I don't think that's fair. So I'm going to start an airline that other people can fly. So he tries. The airline, regulated airline industry, successfully lobbies to have him shut down over and over again. Over, it's a seven-year period. He's going broke. He has kids. He's married. And he doesn't have the money to hire an attorney. So he's literally fighting the airline industry, regulated airline industry himself. He has to go to the Supreme Court three times. Third time he's there, the clerk, who he's registering with, looks up at him and says, are they still trying to kill your little airline? And he looks down at her and says, yeah. And I said, Herb, that must have been hell. You're broke, you're, you're still going seven years. What? And he said, Justin, it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about that. If you can't start a new business in this country, this has ceased to be America. I was fighting for, the, for our country, for the opportunity that it was supposed to represent. What we learned from Herb, he was mission, mission, mission. Why do we care, Justin? Why are you wasting my time with this story? Mission, mission, mission. Why did Southwest turn in profitable numbers year after year after year when its competitors were losing their shirts year after year after year? Because Herb redefined the entire job, everyone's role. It was no longer baggage handlers were no longer just putting bags on number 103 on the cart to be sent. They, the bag contains insulin. That, that's the, that bag has to get on the plane. There's a person. It was always per This elderly woman that's trying to get on and, and, and you need, needs help getting on the plane, she's going to see her grandson for his first birthday. Shouldn't she be allowed? That's what we're here to fight for, is to allow not just the rich to be able to enjoy their lives and their families. That's what we're fighting for, team. And if you can get your people to believe that what you're doing actually matters, they will work harder for you, they will wake up and go to work more for you, and they will stay with you. They'll fight for you. That's why I subservience to purpose, having a, a meaningful purpose. Herb was subservient to the purpose of serving the country in a major way. Finally, finding order in chaos. The number of variables that you have to deal with today are 10x what leaders had to deal with 20 years ago. Finding order in chaos has never been more important. Let's talk about a gentleman who really struggled to do so and had to find a pattern. A.G. Laffley ran Procter & Gamble for quite a long time. He was, one, probably, he was the most admired CEO for quite a long time. Procter & Gamble had a failing product. They spent over a billion dollars on a detergent that didn't require a rinse. It could clean clothes, but you didn't have to rinse the detergent out. 
Serving the growing middle class globally around the world was core to Procter & Gamble's growth. Clean water is really scarce in most of the world. So if you could put a, a detergent up there that they don't need more clean water to do their load of laundry, it should be a winner, right? Nobody bought it. Dead on arrival. So AG goes down to South America, to Brazil. AG had to figure out a problem in this chaos. And so he went down and he talked to all these people that were using this failed soap, failed laundry detergent, that logically it should have been a blockbuster. What's going on? It doesn't make suds. You stand there, what? It cleans your clothes. You don't have to rinse. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, we can show you. It, but it doesn't make any suds. So it, it, they'd forgotten the you know, human tactile thing. They didn't believe the clothes were actually getting cleaned unless they saw suds. So they added suds. So now that product is you know, starting to do some, get some share. But finding those trends, finding listening, listening to these, uh, all these different variables, and then coming to the conclusion of, oh, just listen to your marketplace, right? The higher you go, the more disconnected you get from the front lines. So get to the front. Get to the front. Stay connected to your frontline people. AG personally got to the front lines. But just make sure you have easy, open, and consistent channels of communication to your front lines. So, realistic optimism, subservience to purpose, finding order in chaos. These are all critical things to be able to do, and this is how they thrive under pressure. And this is how you can build an organization and yourselves to be able to thrive under pressure. That was author and consultant Justin Menkes at a Vanguard Forum for Life Sciences and Healthcare Leaders. The Vanguard Forum is just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silver. Thanks for listening.